360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. Hop high. All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight, Full Circle brings you a special interview with an extraordinary woman. On tonight's show, we'll spend the hour with Reverend Wanda Johnson, the mother of Oscar Grant, a young man who was senselessly murdered at the Fruitvale BART station, January 1st, 2009. This conversation was produced and conducted by First Voice graduate Teresa Adams. That's tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Free Will and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch, Bay Miwok Territory. Keep it locked right here to K. P-F-A. Hey again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin and I am your host tonight. And tonight we feature graduate apprentice Teresa Adams and her conversation with Reverend Wanda Johnson. Wanda's son, Oscar, made national and world headlines when a cell phone video was released of his senseless killing by a BART police officer early in the morning on New Year's Day, 2009. As you can imagine, Wanda's life changed forever that day. In this in-depth conversation, you'll hear about her journey from the time Oscar was born to that tragic night on the BART platform and on to her transformation into a justice warrior. Check it out. Good evening and welcome to Full Circle. Tonight we bring you an interview with Reverend Wanda Johnson, mother of Oscar Grant. She is an activist, a motivational speaker, a grandmother and the founder of the Oscar Grant Foundation. When she is not comforting families that have lost loved ones to police violence, she is advocating for justice for her son, Oscar Grant. On the day this interview was recorded on February 27, 2021, Oscar Grant would have been 35 years old. On this day, as she has for the past 12 years, Reverend Wanda Johnson celebrates Oscar's life and the day he was born. Welcome Reverend Wanda, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Can we start at the beginning? And when I say at the beginning, can we start at February 27, 1986? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll never forget that day. <laughs> um, I actually, one of my cousins was living with my mom. Her name's Valerie. And um, I was in labor and my mom has a family room. 
And so I was laying on the floor in the den in labor. And she was like, she ran to my mom, she's going to have that baby in there. <laughs> and I was like, I was trying to wait till the last minute to go. And so I was just laying there in labor. And um, finally, we went to the hospital and um, I delivered by midwife. And so she was like, she came, her name was Steve, she came, she said, oh, you ain't ready to have this baby. I'm going back home. I'll be back later on. And so she came a little while later and um, I had Oscar. Um, he was seven pounds, I believe six ounces. Um, he was 21 inches. And um, as he was growing up, little boy, I um, put him in private schools um, until the uh, eighth grade. Um, at the end of the gra eighth grade, he went to Mount Eaton High School. Um, you know, he was a young man who uh, was very courageous. He would sing in the choir and he would be um, on, in the usher board at the church we went to. And from him singing in the choir, he would be the loudest voice you would hear singing. And um, I would always, when he would sit with me, I always always cover his mouth to get him to be quiet, not sing so loud. And so one of the mothers in the church said, leave him alone, let him come sit with me and let him sing as loud as he want to. And so from that, he, um, I, I put him in mission friends and role ambassadors and stuff at church. And he um, learned a lot of different scriptures and he loved the word of God. And he would do prayer at Pomacea Baptist Church, you know, in front of two and 3,000 people, you know, doing altar call. And he loved that. And so, you know, Oscar grew up um, uh, with some struggles um, as he got older, but nothing that he could not overcome if given the opportunity. And I always say to people, you know, um, we all go through things in life and some good, some bad. And, you know, even the bad, we have an opportunity to turn that around and make it into a good. And so, you know, Oscar's life was cut short. So he didn't have an opportunity to fully uh, develop into the man that he was uh, becoming, you know, um, with his goals and his dreams. He didn't get to bring those all into fruition the way that he wanted to. Thank you for saying all of that. Um, when you think back on that day, um, aside from the fact that you, you were in labor, of course, and you were with the midwife, is there any wishes or thoughts that you had at the time? Uh, I just wanted him to be healthy and to be uh, everything that God had created him to be. Okay, okay, thank you for that. The thing that I want to ask now is between 1986 and the, and the day that he passed away, what has been happening um, with your family? Um, can you, in order to help the listeners understand um, why we are here today, if you can just take us back a little bit. You know, um, as Oscar was growing up, um, we stayed with my mother and father for a while. And um, my, so my father was like Oscar's father. And um, my father ended up having a stroke and losing the rights, uh, the left side of his uh, usage. 
And so we would always tease Oscar and say that Oscar was his left side because everything that my dad couldn't do with both hands, um, Oscar would help him um, and do it for him. And from that, um, my mom and Oscar, they developed a real, real, real close relationship. She, you know, she would tell you that anything that she asked Oscar to do, he was, you know, right there doing it. And I don't want it to seem like, oh, I'm trying to paint Oscar as a perfect person because mm -hmm. I'm definitely not doing that. But during this part of his life, um, you know, he was that support for my mother. He was, you know, that hand that my father didn't have for my father. Um, you know, when my father couldn't no longer paint the uh, inside of the house, Oscar would do that for my mother. Um, you know, when my father could no longer cut the grass, Oscar would, with asthma, go out there coughing and sneezing and itching his eyes and cut the grass for her. And so, you know, um, I, I look back and I see, you know, all that uh, Oscar did, knowing that, you know, a prayer that um, I have prayed and an answer that I have received from God um, uh, years um, uh, before Oscar was killed, that Oscar would go through some things. Um, uh, we had always envisioned being in ministry together. <laughs> I remember laughing sometimes. I would come home and uh, after we would have, you know, come from church and stuff. And I would watch my kids and I would see Oscar uh, with his hand on my daughter's head and he's praying for her and prophesying to her and doing all this stuff. And I would be laughing. But in re reality, he was doing what he was going to be doing when he, you know, got older. And so when Oscar um, was about 15 um, and he would be in church and he would be praying and doing different things in church, I believe that's when the Lord had shared with me that, you know, Oscar and I would be in ministry together. And so when Oscar was killed, I was like, Lord, how can we be in ministry together? He's not here. And I could hear the Lord sensing to me to look around. And as I looked around, it was people that I only had met because of what happened with Oscar. And the Lord reminded me from that, that even though Oscar is not here, we're still in ministry together because the people that I'm meeting, you know, I'm meeting because of what happened with him. And that is the ministry from now on to encourage people, you know, as they suffer injustices, that they can make it no matter what it looks like. And so even though Oscar's not here physically, we're still in ministry together because, because of what happened with him. I'm talking to you now. Had Oscar not been killed and had the Lord not showed me that, uh, maybe I wouldn't even be talking with you, you know, concerning what happened with him. Thank you for that. That's very helpful. And then on January 1st, 2009, you lost your baby and you spent years and you're still here right now advocating for justice for him. Can you walk us through a little bit of what, you, the, what you've had to do over the years? Absolutely. 
absolutely. So I, I always share that December 31st is my birthday. And so we got to spend that day together. You know, uh, we ate gumbo. I cooked gumbo for him and we ate gumbo. And um, I told him, you know, when he said he was going to go to San Francisco, I told him to take part. And from him taking BART, uh, not coming back home because he ended up losing his life. Um, I vowed and I tell parents, you know, you tell your children to do what's right. And, you know, don't feel guilty because that was part of my issue after he was killed is if I would have told him to not take BART, you know, uh, and let him drive like he wanted to do. Maybe he was still here. And so sometimes when parents instruct their children to do things and their children do it and things happen, uh, guilt begins to eat at that person. And so I always tell parents, you know, you be the parent and you tell your child to do what's right. And no matter how it turns out, that's what you instructed them to do is to do what's right. And so, you know, looking now, still fighting for justice for my son, it'll be until I'm no longer here because I'm not fighting for justice for Oscar any longer. I'm fighting for justice for all the other ones who are here on earth who are alive, some who have lost their life. I'm fighting for justice for those. Because what happened to me should have never happened. Oscar should still be here today. But because he's not, I am fighting so that others do not have to go through the same thing that I've gone through with the loss of a child. It was New Year's Day 2009. A group of passengers exited a BART train when it stopped at the Fruitvale BART station in Oakland, California. At the same time, arriving at the platform, were a group of BART police officers who were responding to a report of a fight on the train. BART police officers detained several passengers, including Oscar Grant. Videos and eyewitness accounts indicate then BART officer Anthony Peroni removed Grant from the place where he was sitting against the platform wall, kneed him in the head, and forced him to lie face down on the ground. While Peroni held him down, then officer Johannes Meserly drew his pistol and shot Grant in the back. He was rushed to Highland Hospital in Oakland, California, where he died that day. Oscar Grant was 22 years old. And, you know, 12 years later, still fighting to get one of the officers convicted for his instigation and causing of my son being killed. Can we go through that for a second? So there was a, a trial mm -hmm. and um, Officer Merceral, am I, if I'm pronouncing Mes it correctly. Johannes Meserol. Meserol was convicted. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a settlement in, in a civil suit mm -hmm. and what do you say now? I know that um, you have requested that they uh, now investigate the second officer. So when Oscar was killed, um, the officer, Officer Peroni, who instigated the whole situation, 
I said it when he was killed and I say it today, that that officer should have been charged, convicted and sent to jail. And the district attorney at that time said that they didn't want to charge the officer. They wanted to use him as a witness and that they would charge him at a later time, okay? And so they thought they were going to use him as a witness and instead he turned to be a hostile witness. And so they did not get what they thought they would get from him. So we went back, my family went back to the district attorney and said, okay, you could charge him because you know he testified and you didn't get what you wanted to so go ahead and charge him. So at that time we were then told that the district's, uh, the DA's department had utilized a lot of funds because they had moved the case to LA and that they didn't have the financial means to do it at that time. So in October of 2020, we held a press conference. And before we could complete the press conference, the district attorney was saying in her press conference that she was going to open up the case again. So she ended up, uh, we met with her. Um, she said she had opened it and she wrote up a report and she went back to the public telling the public that she wasn't going to be able to charge him and the reasons why. But she did that prematurely because we went back to her and we said, look, you can charge him with that felony murder. He should have been charged when it first happened. And so now she's re-looking at it and she's waiting for us to meet with her again to uh, render our findings. We had to hire a pathologist, uh, Dr. Amalu, uh, the um, one who Will Smith played in the movie Concussion. We hired him as the pathologist to go back and look at uh, my son's autopsy reports, his brain tissue, because um, Officer uh, Peroni slammed Oscar's head against the wall. He hit Oscar, he kicked Oscar, he used racial epithets towards Oscar. And so um, he's looking, the pathologist is looking at Oscar's brain tissue to determine if there was any brain damage caused by what he had uh, done to Oscar. And we're still having, you know, to this day, you know, requesting the reports from the uh, BART. And we're not getting all the reports. Um, they will send us maybe page one and then not send page two and then send page three. And we've been soliciting, trying to get these reports since October. And it should not take this long to send reports because SB 1421 says that we should be able to have those reports. And it's been since October and we're still trying to get reports from uh, BART's um, attorney's department. And it shouldn't take that long. My question is, what are you hiding? You know, um, why won't you turn over these reports to us? You know, so 
the investigation can be complete. And so, you know, it's just disappointing that, you know, 12 years later, we're still having to try to get reports that should have, that should come to us, you know, um, without us even having to keep going back and forth to get the reports. Um, yes. And from what I have been able to um, gather, it seems like it's, it's not just the reports for Oscar's case, it, this seems to be a problem with BART and their administration overall. Um, so what do you say to the people who don't understand the intentions um, behind your continued pursuit of this case and having this second officer, Officer Peroni, uh, having my charges filed against them? My intentions is this that if the district attorney does her job and charges him, it also gives other families the hope that their cases can be re-looked at and opened up. And um, those officers who have done the acts that they've done um, be charged as well, you know, um, just different cases that have been uh, where the officers have not been charged for even participating in watching the other officers shoot and kill individuals. Um, we can't continue to allow that to occur as a society. And so we have to start somewhere. And so opening and restarting Oscar's case would be a starting point. And it would also provide a hope to families all across this country to let them know to not give up the fight, to keep pushing and keep pressing and to keep going forward, no matter if it seems that the door is shut. You know, you know, people are saying, oh, she's doing that because she wants money. I don't want to dime from it. I work every single day. What I want is to, for our people and brown people to be treated fairly in the United States of America, we have our constitution, you know, and we declare in it that all men are created and treated equally. And by goodness, then if that is the case, why is it that we as a people and brown people are being killed at a higher rate than any other nationality in this country? Why is it that if you go to other countries, you will see that the police shootings and killings that's taking place is at a less percentage than here in America? And so my passion and it just drives a fire within me when I talk about it as well, because we have to really begin to change these laws and really look at our policing system and look at what our policing system, how our policing system was created and founded. And if you look at it, you will go back and look that it was founded and created uh, partly on the Ku Klux Klan. And so when the Ku Klux Klan gets put on blue suits, they still was water, water hosing down our people. They still was allowing our dog, our uh, people to be bitten by dogs. They still was beating our people. And that has not changed. The people have not changed. They're just in a different suit for the most case. And we have to begin to help hold those people accountable for their actions. I saw you um, 
in an interview um, during the uh, demonstrations after right after George Floyd um, died. And you talked about the fact that people came out and protested after Oscar's death. And they were very vocal about um, police reform, police brutality, police reform. And then you said there was silence. The, the protests quieted. And then you have to always get that um, group of people or that, that, that community of people who are going to advocate with you after the silence from the louder, from the bigger crowd. Um, mm -hmm. goes away. So what do you say um, about the quiet afterward? What do you say about the silence afterward? I say and that I, I think one of our great leaders says that we cannot be silent. We should no longer be silent because silence is saying in a sense acceptance. So we have to voice. We have to speak about the injustices and continue going forward. That's why today, 12 years later, I'm still fighting because our society knows that oftentimes, you know, someone gets killed, we, there's a rally cry, oh, just give the people a few weeks or maybe a month and then they'll go back to their own right. duty, mm -hmm. you know, leave that alone. We can't do that. Right. We gotta fight even when we don't wanna fight. We got a voice even when we don't want a voice. And so many times, you know, our society knows what we're gonna do. And until we change that stigma, like we're saying in my family, we're not stopping. You know, uh, we're gonna keep pushing, you know, for change, for reform. We're gonna be, we're gonna continue speaking about the injustices. We're gonna keep powering our voice as trumpets, you know, everywhere that we go, you know, because our society needs to know that we're not gonna stop fighting until what's said in our constitution talking about equal rights or our declaration of independence about Eastern rights, we're not gonna stop until that takes place where we are treated equally, that we're not stopped at a higher rate, that we're not jailed at a higher rate, that we're not given the COVID vaccine at a lesser rate. You know, and so um, it's just not about, um, it, it's about what happened with my son, but it's not just about that. It's about me and my family fighting for equal rights on all playing fields in this society. Well, I have to commend you for that because you have been consistent and persistent over the years in making sure that one, that Oscar is not forgotten and two, that some changes take place that will help people in our communities to feel safer, to have laws that are passed that give us more protection. So thank you so much for that, always, always. Um, there's a thought that comes to my mind. Um, right after, uh, or this summer, uh, George Floyd's daughter, they have a video of her on her father's best friend's shoulders saying, daddy changed the world. And I'm sure at the time, or she doesn't realize how profound that statement was at the time. So I wanna ask you, 
if Tatiana, correct, mm -hmm. had something to say to her father right now, could you give us a peek inside of what her she may have said to her grandmother that she would say to her dad? Well, you know what? She has a, a picture that she drew that says that very same thing. And um, she would continually say that uh, her dad changed the world. He started the catalyst. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we hear about Black Lives Matter, but those young ladies who formed Black Lives Matter was part of Oscar's protest here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in Oakland, uh, here in LA as well. And so from that, after what happened with Oscar and then protesting then, um, and then the next uh, killing of Trayvon Martin really began to formulate that word Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. you know? And so I would say that, you know, from Emmett Till to Oscar Grant, you know, there's been a lot of killings, but there's different, there's, there's uh, killings that has grabbed the communities in a way, not to say that all killings don't because they do, right. but that they have kind of stood out more where people are out really seeing the injustice uh -huh, uh -huh. that they didn't see. Because if you look at Oscar's case, even though Rodney King, and he was still alive after his beating, but Oscar's case was caught on multiple uh, videotapes. Video and yes. had it not been for those, you know, we wouldn't be here today. And so from that, you look at how Oscar's, you know, the taking uh -huh. uh, has changed the world. And so, you know, one of the things we always say, if you see an injustice, take out that cell phone and take it. And so Oscar's daughter, Tatiana, would say that her daddy, you know, changed the world where it would encourage all of us to make sure that we have our cell phones and pull them out and take the injustices that we face. Mm -hmm. And what do you think Oscar would say to her? right now he would say to her mm -hmm. that when you see your friends uh being treated unjustly to stand up for them and to do what's right as you stand up for them and you know be willing to even lose your life for it because if you look at the video and you watch oscar is working to de-escalate a situation that was out of control. Oscar was standing up for his friends. He was telling his friends to be quiet, man, do what they say, we're going home tonight. When his friend was uh, thrown on the ground by his, with his dreadlock, Oscar stood up and said, you can't treat us like that. I need to talk to somebody in charge. So Oscar was willing to uh, give up his life so that his friends would be safe. And so he would say to Tatiana, when she sees her friends and her family in situations where they are being mistreated, to stand up and say something about it and encourage the person that's doing the wrong to do what's right. Thank you for that. Um, I know you spend a lot of time um, with families, talking to them and comforting them. What do you do you're comforting them. How do you 
get comfort in, um, I won't even call it peace of mind because I don't know if there's ever peace of mind, but how do you help, help, how do you help yourself to move forward or how do you, what do you do for that? You know, um, being able to encourage a lot of the families helps me to um, be encouraged. It also helps me to get in that place and begin to really pray and to really meditate. Um, uh, a lot of times I've been so busy, I don't even have that downtime to really think about it, right? And so um, from that, um, being able to uh, talk about it really it do is also a good uh, release for me. So um, I think being able to pray um, that meditation and talking about it and supporting other families helps me to uh, in my process of healing. That's, yes, I can see that um, sharing, mm -hmm. explaining that you um, can connect and understand and feel them. Good morning, friends. Here's your friendly announcer. I have serious news to pass on to change your joy and laughter to tears and pain it's that love in need of love today don't delay send yours in right You are listening to Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA. I am Teresa Adams. The music you just heard was Love's in Need of Love Today by Stevie Wonder. I had the honor of speaking with Reverend Wanda Johnson on February 27, 
2021 on what would have been Oscar Grant's 35th birthday. Reverend Wanda shared her memories of Oscar. She spoke about the ongoing investigation into the killing of her son by Bark police officers in 2009 and about her work with the community. We continue our conversation with a discussion about her hopes for the future. So what would you like to have happen right now? What is the vision that you have for what you hope to achieve right now? So one of the visions that I hope to achieve um, is that the officer who instigated that that case is reopened like it is, but that he's charged and held accountable for his actions. Um, one of the other goals that um, I have uh, for the foundation that we have is to be able to um, do a lot more educating worldwide um, to those that need educating. Um, talking about the systemic injustices that we face and coming up with laws and solutions to um, in those injustices and to uh, really have our society take a really good look at itself in the mirror, you know, and be willing to sit down and talk about the so many injustices that have been that have occurred and be really uh, willing to talk about it and to um, offer the restitution that's necessary. And I'm not just talking about financial restitution, but the restitution that's necessary. You know, um, we, the foundation, we have a um, panel session coming up on the 13th of March. And that panel session is dealing with COVID-19. You know, only 5% of the African-Americans are getting the shot or getting offered the shot, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it's a low rate for the brown community. Why is that? You know? Besides jumping the line? <laughs> to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we have a group of faith leaders um, coming together so that we can discuss this. Okay. Um, and so our, our goal is to educate our people and to bring forth the unequally um, treatment that we're facing to the forefront and to the public. And so, and, th and it, this time is uh, COVID, you know, um, we, we're still working with injustice, you know, and we're going to continue to uh, bring the very things to the forefront that need to be brought to the forefront. And so, because we're talking about, you know, we've been dealing with COVID for the last year. Right. And I've lost three family members to COVID. And so, you know, um, there has to be more education in our areas to be able to get the vaccination. You know, um, not, I know we, people have to go through a, uh, screening before they even, you know, in some places are put on the list, you know, to talk about, you know, how come our people are scared to get the vaccination, you know, so those things are, you know, really important for the foundation, you know, as we continue to grow, because we want to, you know, be an impact in our communities to help our communities get the education, 
and the very things that they need um, to be successful in this society, just like all other nationalities. Thank you for that, thank you for that. At the beginning of the conversation, I asked you to tell me about February 27, 1986. Can you tell me about that one more time and then I'll ask you another question. Well, today is my baby boy's 35th birthday. And I know if he was alive today, that we will be celebrating. And so because he is not here, um, we still will carry out his legacy. We still will celebrate him every year. Um, you know, um, after um, we do interviews today, we'll go over to the grave site and spend a little time there. Um, you know, we'll talk about him throughout the day, mm -hmm. you know, not just today, but we always talk about Oscar, but, you know, um, being able to be at a place 12 years later and still, you know, share his uh, goals and his aspirations and uh, memories of him, you know, him turning off my light. I used to call my light man, you know, every time I said, I can have a clapper. So I would call him, you know, when he was home to turn out my light. And so, you know, just being here and on his 35th birthday, you know, brings up a well of emotions and, you know, memories for me. Yeah, I understand that. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And so uh, my other question is, tell if you don't mind sharing with us, what January 1, 2009 felt like for you? Whew. Um, let's say it took the wind out of me. Um, it was a day that I will never, ever, um, I, I, I remember getting a phone call. Um, at that time, I didn't realize that it was the police had shot Oscar. I didn't know what had happened. I said, what happened? You know, uh, after I got to the BART station to pick up his fiance and his friends. And I, you know, questioned them over and over. I said, you know, when they said he got shot, I'm thinking, okay, what, did he have a gun? Was he fighting the police? What was the reason? I, I wanted to have a reason so bad to, you know, uh, have to, I don't know, I don't want to say justify to understand why he was shot, right? And I never got that reason. You know, um, I never, to this day, never understood why that officer took out his gun and shot my son. And people would say, well, he made a mistake. Let me say this. He had his taser out, pointed it at Oscar before he shot Oscar. That was Oscar's last couple pictures of him with his taser pointed out uh, and pointing at Oscar. And all of a sudden, he couldn't remember uh, what side his taser was on. I don't believe that for a second. 
And the reason, several reasons, because the way he filled out his report and because he's told at first that he thought Oscar was going for a gun. And so if I, he thought Oscar was going for a gun, he definitely wouldn't use a taser to uh, eliminate that situation. And then because that didn't work, uh, they said Oscar was resisting arrest. And because that didn't work, then the, the taser gun confusion was uh, told. And so I, I think about all that and I think about us standing in a Highland hospital in that uh, room, uh, so many of his friends and so many people crying and um, hugging and trying to understand what was going on. And I remember saying to everybody, be quiet, grab hands, let's pray because I trust God and I know that he's able and I know that he was able to heal Oscar. And I know that he knew Oscar's outcome uh, if Oscar would be healed. And we didn't know how much brain, um, how much um, damage from blood not going to his brain would cause. We didn't know that. We didn't know uh, how, um, the aftermath of if he would have been alive, um, that bullet um, fragments uh, uh, hitting different organs in his body, what that would be. You know, the nurse did say that to us that he could be a vegetable, you know, and me and my daughter held each other and we cried because Oscar was so full of life. And would it be fair to him to still be alive and be a vestibule? Would it be fair to his daughter, you know, and his fiance for him to um, be in a vestibule state the rest of his life? And so we prayed and I went to the chapel and prayed by myself and Oscar passed away. And I, 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 I blamed myself for a while at first because I told Oscar to take part. And then the Lord began to give me a release and a peace to know that in the midst of Oscar not being here, that I was still in ministry with him and to fight for him and for others so that they other families don't have to go through what I've went through. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, what would you mom say to son Oscar today? I would probably have cooked him some gumbo because that was his favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and said to him, happy 35th birthday, young man. You are evolving into the man that God created you to be. You know, you are taking your responsibility and you are changing and moving forward with your life. And I'm so, so proud of you. 
And for everyone who was not old enough to understand, to those who may not remember, what do you want them to know right now? That Oscar was a son, he was a grandson, he was a brother, he was an uncle, he was a father, and that he loved life. He loved his daughter so, so very much. You know, I'll never forget when um, he found out that uh, Sophina was having a baby. He put these flags on his car that, that said it's a girl. Oh. And he drove around with those things. And I still have the flags today. He was so, so proud to be a father. And he loved his daughter so, so very much. And so I would say to people to love unconditionally. I would say to people, if there's family members who you haven't spoke to in years, begin to speak to them, begin to call on them and to let them know that you love them. And the reason why I would say that is because we never know what happens tomorrow. And so me being able to spend my birthday with Oscar can't be taken away. Mm -hmm. You know, the next day he, he was taken away, but I will always treasure that. And so being able to spend that time with the loved one, being able to share with that loved one and say to them that you love them no matter what, that you're there for them, I would say to my audience to love on your family members because we never know what tomorrow brings. And especially looking at COVID, you know, many people didn't expect to be in isolation in hospitals and didn't expect to lose their loved ones. So if there's unresolved matters with family members, resolve those matters today and walk forward in love with them. Thank you, Reverend Wanda, for spending time with me and giving me the honor of speaking with you on Oscar's birthday today. I thank you for what you give to us every day with your determination and your support of other families and your willingness to share your story and for giving the world a wonderful young man. As of the date this interview was recorded, Alameda County District Attorney Nancy O'Malley had not reversed the decision to decline to file charges against former BART police officer Anthony Peroni in the killing of Oscar Grant in 2009. Reverend Wanda Johnson and the other members of the Grant family continue to advocate for justice, not just for Oscar, but for other families who have lost loved ones to police violence. For this recording, just say his name. Oscar Grant. I am Oscar Grant. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's the end of our show. 
thank you again to Reverend Wanda Johnson for spending time with us today and allowing us to be a part of the celebration of Oscar Grant's life. How long must it continue? See, I'm from a city, man, where police brutality ain't nothing new to us, man. It's an Oscar Grant that happens every day. My condolences goes out to his family and his friends. We must continue to stay strong. Let's go, y'all. In my life, I'll never give up. Come on. In the morning comes the sun, I must Young black mothers whose son was killed, a young black brother, police killed, had given will, killed Oscar Grant like they did Bobby Seal, killed Jody Mack on Fruitville, killed Lil Gary and their shoe steel. Cops don't give a damn about a Negro, pull a trigger, kill a killer, he's a hero. To the boys in blue, that's what boys that do. Shine Bell Diallo, they tryna poison you. Me, him, maybe a newborn. They supposed to protect and serve but cause you harm. Tear gas and bomb, this is chemical warfare. But we on welfare, so why the poor care? I'm from Oakland, Cali, and it is war here. You don't believe me, cut on TV, coming to tour here. In my life, I'll never
Okay, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM and KPFA.org. I am Free Will and Franklin, and that song you just heard was a tribute to Oscar Grant by Amp Live and Mr. FAB himself, Mr. Fab. It was released back in 2009 after Oscar's death. And before that, you heard graduate apprentice Teresa Adams and her conversation with Reverend Wanda Johnson, the mother of Oscar Grant. After the life-changing events of New Year's Day 2009, when Oscar was killed, Wanda and many others in the Grant family embarked on a lifelong quest for justice, not only for Oscar himself, but for all people who suffer from police brutality and a system that seems stacked against us. Follow the work of Wanda and others in the Grant family, including Uncle Bobby, on some of their websites and social media. You can search for the Oscar Grant Foundation and the Love Not Blood campaign online and on Facebook. And of course, I will post links to their work on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember, check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for important links and information related to the Oscar Grant Foundation and the Love Not Blood campaign. Shout out to our graduate apprentice producer tonight, Teresa Adams, and a shout out to the Full Circle crew. Our executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant, and me, Free Will and Franklin. I am the technical director for this show, Full Circle, and I have also been your host tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, please protect your health and your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA, because up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone. Mm-hmm.